Awesome, thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, and I've enjoyed so many of the talks and the panels and the workshops. Um, you guys can hear me okay? Okay. Um, and, and so much of what I've heard has resonated just uh, what Michael was saying yesterday about every project being a challenge and new and the unknown. That's basically my life story. Um, and the passion and the compassion this morning that really stuck with me. So thank you for all of this, and thank you to Michelle and Sam. And I'm looking forward to this panel today. I'm very excited for it. Um, so a little bit about me. I'm, as she said, an industrial designer in the apparel advanced concept space. Um, and I've been freelance now for two and a half years. And I worked in the past with groups like New Balance, um, Manufacturing New York, uh, the VF Global Innovation Center. Um, and while I was with Manufacturing New York specifically, we were working with Intel on wearables. Um, uh, I was creative director with the science, which is a collective bringing technologists, scientists, and designers together. And currently I'm working with Kenzen on a smart health patch, which I'll talk about later. Um, and so being in apparel advanced concepts, one of the things that uh, is really vital is this cross-pollination. So I tend to sit um, between fashion, technology, healthcare, um, and sports and outdoors. So I tend to be sort of an interloper in all of them. But what I'm finding is very vital, and I think what's happening in consumer behavior and probably in design and for you is that the channels are all merging and blurring in the way that we live, and so innovation and inspiration are also blurring and merging and cross-pollinating. So it's fun, it's confusing, it's challenging. Um, and so one of my, or, or the driving passion that I have, and it's been the arc in a lot of my projects and my career choices, is this idea of helping people inhabit their body more positively, and it's taken me a while to understand this arc. Um, and so what I mean by that is the idea that we live in a spectrum that we don't always want to admit, actually, but we do live in a spectrum as humans from illness to wellness to optimization. And especially in our industry, we don't necessarily want to admit that. But from a design perspective, it's, it's a really exciting thing to work on helping people engage with what is probably the most exciting machine any of us will ever work with, which is the body that you're sitting in folding chairs right now. But so I have some projects that are not sports. Um, I'm working with a chronically ill, uh, a company for the chronically ill right now. Um, but from a design perspective, helping people live healthier lives and more engaged with physicality has just been a really exciting thread throughout my work. Um, and so this idea that our bodies is are one of the most exciting vehicles that we'll have informs my approach to technology. And I see technology as a medium, not the outcome. And so that has informed projects that I've worked on. Um, I think that technology is a vital part of advanced concepts right now, but it's not the story. And that's a very different... It's a different approach, and we're going we're gonna to get into that. Um, so I've had the pleasure of working on projects like Hiroshi Ishii's uh, Biologic with bacteria actuators. Um, I worked with Manufacture New York and Intel on a yoga system um, using Curie. And I currently am working with Kenzen doing health diagnostics through sweat analysis. Um, real-time analytics of vital signs and motion tracking, and so cross-quantifying all of those to start understanding long-term implications of real-time health 24-7 and through AI really looking at owning your own health system in a way that gives you personal knowledge of um, your own health, but then also what does that mean against health metrics and health situations that you might have risk factors for or that may emerge. So that's me and some of what I'm working on. Hello, everyone. 
I am the editor of a trade publication called Textile Insight. Hopefully you got one in your bag. Looks like this. Um, and we also do trend reports, which I think you also got in your bag. I think many people might know me here, but I've been writing about textiles for a very, very long time. Um, I'm probably not generation one Gore-Tex, but I'm sort of close after that. So I've seen a lot of in innovation in this industry over many years. I've zigged and zagged in and out of it. I started out writing textiles for Fairchild Publications many years ago. Previous to that, I was with Condé Nast. I worked at a Self Magazine for a while. Sounded very fun. It was not. Um, so I went back into trade publishing, which was a lot more fun. Years ago, we had access to people. I traveled around and was able to go into labs at DuPont and when all of things were sort of just cooking up in this industry. Um, so I write constantly about textiles. Um, I really love the industry. I'm here mostly because I feel some frustration with what I see with happening or not happening with wearables. So that's what sort of intrigued me here. Um, I go to a lot of trade shows throughout the course of the year. Last year I was at 12 different uh, trade events. And it was interesting to see that from consumer electronics, there's a whole pavilion now going on with wearables. I was at the golf show, which there was a textile section, and the keynote there was on wearables. I was at um, summits in D.C., and we were talking about wearables. My company, my parent company, is Formula 4 Media, put out lots of good publications. We also put on a fantastic uh, running event. And a few, about five years ago, I was in charge of new products there, and we were talking about wearables. And yet, I go to outdoor retailer, and I don't see much happening there at all. So I guess my thing I hope we investigate today is, you know, like, what gives people? You know, why are we not excited about this? And um, what is the holdup? So I have lots of thoughts about some of the hurdles I see on the textile end and uh, comments from people that um, I talk to uh, from the factory floor up into the uh, you know, ultra innovators in the back rooms. And um, there's frustration, I feel, and I'm just interested to hear about you have to say about why is this not happening, um, why you don't see value, or if you have questions for me also about what's, you know, what's up with the textile people and where or maybe why the two worlds are not coming together. So that's what I thought we'd talk about, and I have some facts on wearables I can share with you and uh, other things going on in the industry. So I'm uh, looking forward to it. Um, hi, I'm Elizabeth LeMay, um, founder of Studio 3... Yeah, you can. Sorry. Founder of Studio 317 here in town. Um, studio 317 is a, an advanced innovation and prototype studio. Um, I have a little over 25 years of experience in the world of apparel, apparel making. The last 17 years of my corporate career I spent at Nike um, in various roles between product creation to advanced innovation and global concepts. Um, and... Uh, one of my roles actually led me to open the studio, which I, um, in the late 2000, I was in charge of opening startup operations for product creation centers across the world. Um, and that helped me because what I do is a product creation. Uh, I understand the full supply chain, um, you know, everything from beginning, you know, all the way to delivery. So... When it came time for me to leave the corporate world, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Making stuff is my passion. Crafting a new product is my passion. Um, and I like to say that, you know, the higher up you move in the corporate world, you, the farthest you move away from product and you start dealing with PowerPoints and presentation day after day. So that was not who I was. And uh, I knew I wanted to get back into the making. So... Um, the studio started as a prototype studio. It evolved very quickly to an innovation in the wearable world. Um, I was very lucky to cross paths with um, some wonderful people from Intel. One of them is sitting right here. And this is the very first project we worked on. It's for a, a collaboration between Intel and Chromat, a wonderful young brand out of New York. And the very first project we worked on was... Uh, 
Iro's bra, is that the right name? Iro bra. It is this bra over here, and we had to insert panels that open and shut based on the wearer's uh, sweat and heart rate, correct? It's using the Curie chip also. And that is the famous project where they gave me pretty much six weeks to come up with. Um, and the same project in my old role would have been like 18 months. But this is the model Alec Quack walking in on stage. And what Intel did, they added LED lights behind the little lasered hole that we did. So when they open up, you could see the light. It was fantastic. They turned all the lights down, and Alec Quack just walked with her bra on. So this is... Uh, this launched the studio as a wearable tech um, destination. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for the invite. Um, I can't wait to hear what these wonderful people have to say. So, Thank you. Sorry, I think I'll just stay right here. Anyway, uh, it's, it's awesome to be here today. Do you want me? Okay. <laughs> so, anyway, it's... Uh, Back in the fall when we uh, had a call with uh, Michelle and Sam, it was really inspiring. I, and I, I've been reading about this for two years and said, you know, we have to make the time to go to this. And it's been great to have so many conversations and to see so many things that you just do not get into in the day-to-day, -day, you know, transactional, like, experience of the week. And uh, it's nice to step back and look at the, everything that's going on here. So um, really excited. Um, Anyway, a little bit about myself first. Uh, I started out in the outdoor industry. I worked for Merrill Footwear. I was like one of the first 20 employees from Vermont. I was there about uh, two years, and I said, look, you could probably run this place in 10 years, go off and get maybe some larger company experience. If you love this industry, come back to it. I ended up working for uh, Braun for seven years. Had a great run there uh, doing product management and uh, did some other things and worked for Tivoli Audio, Samsonite, and uh, basically, you know, everything was always about sport, fashion, performance, maybe music, maybe audio, and uh, I basically became pretty intensive in textiles and technology about six years ago, worked for another German, actually a German company before Scholler, uh, Sympatex, and uh, joined Scholler two years ago. Uh, also want to quickly point out, I'm joined by two other colleagues here today. Fawn, who maybe some of you have met from uh, Seattle, is our uh, Western uh, sales manager. Then also Eleanor Sachs, who's our director of communication. They're both right over there, and they'll be helping me out later after this uh, in a little workshop upstairs. But uh, anyway, really quick, I know a lot of people in this room know what Scholler is. They own Scholler. They've seen us at shows. We're a 149-year-old uh, mill and technology company. Uh, We've had so many things that we've done over the years, uh, you know, really quick. I mean, Blue Sign was started by some former shoulder people in our building. We're still heavily involved in that today. But um, if you're trying to do certain things, a lot of these roles lead to shoulder. Quick timeline. I mean, if you look at these different milestones going all the way back to uh, stretch ski pants, you look at trends today going all the way up through temperature management, you know, you know, motorcycle apparel, many things that uh, we've been involved in, whether or not people knew it was Scholler or not, was a, another story. Uh, like I can tell you, for example, I mean, we have a, a story that we like to tell people that if you were at, on a podium in most of the Olympics, you were during a winter sport, you were probably wearing Scholler. We bought uh, Eschler five and a half years ago, and we already were doing quite a few things together, but... Uh, you know, all the race suits of uh, the U.S. ski team and everything comes from Scholler. Uh, if you go back and you look at um, what's been going on with uh, urban technology uh, or luxury technology in the urban space, I mean, Scholler's had a big spot in that. Now, you know, bringing it back to where we're all sitting up here today to talk about second skin technology, this is something that Scholler's been involved in in over a decade or more. Um, you know, here... Once again, I mean, some people don't always see this about us, but we're actually seven different business units. And uh, there's a lot of cross-pollination of ideas here. Uh, you know, we spanned classic outdoor markets all the way over to medical and uh, quite a few different businesses in between. A couple of the brand partners we work with, uh, this could be many slides. It could be a really busy eye chart, but... Uh, but we're really fortunate, uh, thank 
thank you to those people that are in this room that help some of these things come together, but uh, we're in a good space. You know, just talking once again about uh, coming back to wearable technology. I mean, this was something that Scholler came up with five, six years ago, cork shell. Uh, now it's, it's like a lot of things we do where it's, you know, we put it out there and, you know, we don't really put a big marketing spend behind it. We just sort of announce it and uh, people want to keep on learning more and more about it. Uh, you know, we were one of the first mills to start to use uh, Econel yarns, uh, the recycled nylon story. That keeps on growing and expanding. People know us for our um, reflective qualities that we have, different um, weaves that we come out with every six months or so. Um, you can go along here. I think some of you have probably seen this before, our, our cosmopolitan collection that we came out with. And this is, a big part of this is all about sensory interaction. And this is sort of where this, you know, we were looking at this as a company and saying, you know, what we one time thought of a geeky type of device in terms of how it went into a garment is now going to be what's expected. I mean, when you look at what people are going to be seeing for features in the future, if not now, on a garment, it's going to be just expected that it's there. I go back like six or seven years ago with like the media port. It's like you didn't buy anything without a media port. And now it's, you know, it's just going to be you're going to have all these other pieces going on. So, you know, the future of wearables. Um, you know, if some of you are at ISPO, you maybe saw that Scholler was actually selling by the yard conductive uh, fabric. And so this conductive fabric, uh, what we're offering there, we're offering today, is uh, heatable. It's, in the way we look at it, okay, you could say, okay, that's nothing new. We saw that a decade ago, maybe even 15 years ago. But some of the classic things that have been going on in terms of durability, usability, uh, enhancement, and having something that you can actually, you know, uh, make a lot of different garments out of, this is where we are already today. And it's, it's almost like, you know, once again, very classic shoulder. There's, I can tell you that there's quite a few people that have gotten involved with building some garments. Uh, we're going to have some samples of this upstairs so you can take a look at it uh, but it's our whole thing here is to make something that is actually user friendly so it's the same type of uh, performance you'd expect from a regular textile other than the fact that it's conductive and so you can do all these additional things with it um, so I mean you know constant warming you can laminate you can dye it you can we can sell it to you we can help you uh, you can figure out how you want to do the body mapping, the physiology of where you want to put ribbons, or else we're also going to have a system, too, where we will have different apps that you can actually uh, get involved with, and those can help regulate the heat. They can do other things uh, as well. You know, you go back and you look at, you know, performance. This is another uh, thing that you can do when you have what we've created you can actually be out playing golf or on a cycle and say, hey, you know, you're coming up the hill, you've got to kick up your cadence. If you're on a golf course, if you're approaching different greens, this can help you give feedback. It's, so it's, your, it's basically feeding back data that's telling you that, okay, overcompensate to the left. I'm not really a golfer except for a couple of times a year. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so <laughs> But, um, you know, it's giving you information back. This is a really cool membrane story. I don't know if people have heard about this, but this is uh, this collaboration that we have with electroosmosis, where you're going to now have the ability to have a membrane that's not PTFE, it's not PU, it's not polyester. I can tell you a little bit more about it later. You'll see some videos here. But it's actually going to move more moisture away from your body than has ever been possible before. So now you have like this classic situation. Schöler by the Swiss company with 150 years of history is uh, focusing very much into the future of being highly innovative and driving 
towards a second skin solution, which means that e-textiles are playing a fantastic role for us. In this uh, surrounding, Hydrobot is exactly one of the key cornerstones because it will help us to really regulate uh, the moisture transport uh, in uh, clothing, which are for all of us, uh, and obviously for the high-performance uh, people uh, to really make us be most effective in whatever you do and that your recovery uh, rates will reduce. Our functionality, obviously, as far as Hydrobot panels are concerned, is uh, the manufacture of exactly this type of panels. First of all, you have obviously an outer layer of fabric, which needs to be conductive. You have then another coating of a highly conductive uh, coat. Afterwards, you glue it to a membrane, and then you do the same thing reverse as well. And at the uh, rest, you have then an inner layer, and this inner layer, which is close to your body and can take up uh, the moisture, and then the membrane will transport it to the outside. Afterwards, uh, the garment maker, in our case, in our consortium at the moment, uh, Lassitus, and they will build this type of panels uh, into the garment in a most constructive way. It is a, a, a fantastic cooperation which we have been able to set up uh, between Lassitus and Osmotex, uh, who has the technology, who has researched for many years on these technologies uh, and has brought it to a fantastic application level. But all this we want to have guaranteed by the most up-to-date uh, testing technology and uh, environmental sustainability, which EMPA has to play together with us to make sure that at the end of the day our consumer does not have to worry, but just set his comfort level on his iPhone and the rest will be done by the jacket in a very successful way. So, so anyway, pretty exciting stuff. I mean, you think about all the different applications there, but... Uh, Do you want to say anything else no, before I'm we good. jump right I'm in? No, good. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I just, that's one way to cut you off. <laughs> Sorry about that. I think we all have a lot of questions. I started reading your slides and was getting distracted. Um, thank you. So I think we can just jump right in, and I think Michelle did a great job of teeing this up, actually, with saying that we've gone back and forth on do we have a wearables conversation, do we not? It's a really weird time in wearables. Um, you know, it's really time, weird time in all geopolitical global things and looking into the future and trying to figure out what's coming. Um, and so we'd all talked about, you know, there seem to be wearables of the past and there seems to be something happening and something more meaningful coming with wearables and we're not entirely sure what. And so I want to just jump right in and say, like, what do each of you feel is coming and see in your sphere? Um, generally, all the textile people I talk to are very optimistic about wearables. I think uh, one uh, executive said to me recently, he said, every textile maker has um, aspirations to be doing wearables, to be in the wearable space. Um, I, numbers that I've gotten recently about the size of the wearable markets are also optimistic. A $70 billion market is projected by 2024. Yeah, 2024. I don't really know why that number, but uh, big and growing quickly. So I think that the atmosphere is there that people know that this is an important space. They know that this is coming. The textile people know they want to be in it. Uh, people are very upbeat. They're really interested. But then there seems to become a point where what hasn't happened. Um, I've been covering wearables for probably 15 years, and every time I walk away thinking the lead of the story is, well, we are on the cusp of the wearable market emerging. And I think if I write that line one more time, I'm just going to... Pew. So um, we have had some things... Uh, they have been either ugly or bulky 
or just nothing commercially viable. So I, I do have areas that I can speak to where I do see innovation happening. Um, soft circuitry is very important, I think, to push things forward. Um, <clears throat> taking more of a apparel first platform of what's the design rather than coming at it from a different direction is definitely what's happening out there. Um, there are some brands that are doing good work now. We talked about Lumo, Athos, there's a few others. So I generally am very upbeat about it. Again, it's just frustrating that I think the fitness category has really taken control of this. Um, I don't know, anybody here, how many people here are wearing either an Apple Watch or a Fitbit? I mean, is that on you right now? Really not, you know, or any other kind of wearable. It's still, you go into a running market, every single person will have their hand up or into another thing. Every single person has something on them all the time. I was even at dinner with two of my college roommates, and these girls are not all that athletic. They were all geared up, you know. So this is my interest. I know it's happening, and it's happening in other spaces, and we... The textile people, I think, are on board, but there are obviously, we're stuck. So I think it's good that we talk about what's, what we can do to unstick and what you all are not finding on your end to make that happen. Yeah, so for me, it's, my point of view is more on the, the adaptation of the technology or the chips into the garment. And um, lately, we've seen a surge in brands wanting to be part of that game. Um, it is a little challenging because I can do concepts at the studio, but then when I, it's time to hand it off and to make it commercial, unfortunately, there are not a lot of factories in the world who can handle that because uh, factories typically are either soft goods, apparel, or hard goods. And most of the wearable world, you have to combine a little bit of both. So the challenge on the back end is real. But I think a lot of um, factories, if you want, are starting to look into that. Uh, and uh, Emily, you brought up a great point that, and speaking from my experience with um, you know, the wearable uh, product that I've worked on, uh, the first project, the bra, was a design that was handed to us, that, and then we had to adapt all the technology into it. And the latest project I just got um, handed off is we want you to design an X product to fit our technology, which I think is a great, is a great turnaround because it's hard to fit a, a square peg into a round hole. And, and a couple of years ago, that's what we tried to do. Um, it was a little easier because it was a concept. It was never meant to be manufacturable or commercial, so I could do anything, pretty much build it any way I wanted. But I think there is a big shift now that the focus is, hey, this is my technology. Uh, help us design something that's going to work around it. So. I think that um, there's a more collaborative um, um, culture maybe coming out with wearables of reaching out. I know that you've been involved um, with Manufacturing New York. They have in one room an engineer with a designer with the factory person so everybody is speaking the same language. I think that's been a hold up on the textile people. They have a very, we have a very specific language of denier and warps and filaments and cross sections and all that and then you talk to someone in electronics. For me I don't know what the hell they're saying, you know, so how are you expecting that to happen? So I think putting everybody in the same room is helping to bring this next generation. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's almost how I ended up doing wearables was sort of what um, Michael had said yesterday of being willing to ask the stupid questions or wanting to know and having curiosity. And I sort of ended up in a lot of meetings uh, like 10 years ago just not understanding things and putting up my hand and realizing no one understood it in the room at all and trying to just ask and um, you know realizing there was a lot and I'm still not an engineer and I still don't understand a lot of it but there is a lot in engineering that's parallel to textiles and apparel construction and there will become more because of this need as we take rigid components and make them flexible so because the body is not planar obviously and taking like an iPhone type thing and conforming it to this is not going to work but just asking being willing to ask those questions 
and look like an idiot. I had some meetings last week, and I just had to keep asking the questions to move the conversation forwards. And it was usually, no, we can't do that, but we could do this. I'm like, okay, that's something. That's progress. Um, but, but it is, is getting all these different components of engineering, textiles, apparel, you know, technical construction, manufacturing, because we cannot have the apparel factory stitch through the componentry, um, but, or can we weld it maybe, because like BMS is doing um, welding components that are circuitry. And so there's a lot. <laughs> If I, if, so if I could just add, the thing that I, I've noticed in the last six to nine months is that it's not if my company is going to do this, it's when will they be doing it. And you really have this situation where you have the vocabulary of everyone in the room picking up new words that are yeah. the words that they have to understand. And it's, uh, it's exciting because it's no longer like so much necessarily like the secret project, someone off-site's working on it. This is people in the building and they're going to do this. They've seen it. They've already. It's a. It's you know. It's already planned out to happen. And it's. Uh, I feel like it's a. It's an exciting time. And it's you know. It's about solving solving problems. It's not about just putting data out there. So, I would just say, uh, you know, p- pay attention as you see things come up because it's it's going to. If it's not already happening at your company, it is happening somewhere because. Uh, People want to have a more enjoyable life, more experience with uh, their time outside. And to jump in on all of that, so one of the things that um, we were saying when we had some conversations about this was that there is this previous generation of wearables that we've all seen and lived with and not necessarily felt an affinity for. And I've been on a lot of panels that we were asked, oh, what wearables do you have? And everyone was like, Nothing, you know, not, none. Um, and I was at an MIT event last week, and a technology anthropologist um, was, uh, I don't necessarily agree with her, but she had a point. She was saying that basically the previous generation of wearables <clears throat> are infantilizing. And to a degree, that's not untrue. She was saying, you know, they're about sipping, walking, sleeping chewing and a few other f- things that we learn in like our first 18 months of life and we do fairly successfully because we're all here still functioning and um, and then you know technologists start telling us oh my god you might not be able to do that anymore and you should be very afraid so hand that authority over to your phone and this company because we have electronics and we need a product and so we're going to take that authority away from you and um, make you feel afraid and so there was, there was a good point of that. She, she was missing a lot of like their medical products and their other products, I think, that people are trying, and maybe the design is poor in this previous generation. But I think there is a lot of that in this past generation of wearables, which, and then the other part of the past generation of wearables, I think, are wrists. And so that has been a big thing for me, looking to like textiles, which is huge because the body... We have two wrists, and then the rest of the real estate, there's a lot more going on. So I think the textiles, that's one of the things that's so exciting. I think what's um, been a big stumbling block in the past is, as many as you know, this textile supply chain is huge and global and and many, 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 many links in that. But I think, for example, what Elizabeth's doing, what we're seeing around the country is uh, small domestic local makers innovating right here. So you can have your supply chain, talk to your electronics, talk to Intel. I think that's really going to push things forward faster. Before it was maybe somebody had an idea here, but it was over in Asia, and by the time you try and communicate that and back. But this is a trend I think will really be helpful for wearables, that people will be closer to each other, closer to be able to speak together, see each other, and what you're doing uh, specifically, and others like you, little hubs, uh, will push wearables and allow more people maybe to get involved with it and seem less foreign um, in many ways. So I'm encouraged by what I see that. Yeah, and I would add, this is the only reason we were able to pull the the Chromat project in six weeks, because any time in the week two, three days per week, we had everyone involved at the studio 
trying to find the solutions for the surprise. So it was super collaborative, and if we had to do this in a fractioned way, um, six weeks would have been pretty much impossible to do. So even the lead designer from Chromat, the owner, Becca McCarran, look her up, she's fantastic. Um, she flew into town just so we can hash out her design a little more. So, And then even during Fashion Week, weren't you like pulling in algorithmic designers like, like Francis and whatnot? Like just crowd. It's when you have these like really naughty problems. You, you guys are just pulling in triaging for problem solving. And, and that's the thing, when, yeah. as everyone knows here from design solutions, it's um, you may not have all the solutions yourself, but if someone in your tribe or your community has it, like, it's how you're going to solve this. There's no ego in this world. Yeah. Sort of hard to add something to all those great comments there. Um, you, know, you know, one of the things that, uh, going back like eight or nine years ago, I think a lot of people were working with Scholar on this because it was... a pretty secretive place to do a lot of things. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, Switzerland. It's pretty quiet. You can get, you know, <laughs> it's land of Willy Wonka. But I mean, uh, you, can, you can do a lot of things with us and not have it get out to everywhere. But now it's, uh, it's just wide open. It's, you know, we have conversations with so many different people looking for yet, you know, what we're going to, what we've shown here, but they're looking for, you know, two or three things beyond that. And it's, uh, it's just going to be a very interesting next, like, three to five years with what we have. And you were saying that you saw something of personalization in all of this as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. People, to, to us, I mean, people are looking for the ability to customize. Uh, they want to have that garment experience that can actually make their humidity level great. It can, you know, do all the sound adjustments that they want. It can actually maybe help them uh, get home or track things. I mean, it's so many things that they're looking for for that, that garment to do. And I, once again, I think these are things that they're going to be just sort of built-in standards. And, uh, you know, it's going to be what people are, you know, it's not going to be something like, I want to own that pinnacle piece. I'm just going to go get that, that middle-of-the-road piece that has all these things in it. And now they can have all these things because the durability is there, the usability is there. And it actually makes their whole life more enjoyable. So to sort of switch tacks a little bit to the, the second question that Michelle and I had jumped into when we were talking about wearables and inflection point and the outdoor industry. So, like, is this a viable conversation for the outdoor industry? And we've touched on this, but it's, it's clearly been a challenge. Wearables are happening everywhere, and, and we've been joking, like, I have probably two client calls a week where someone's like, we must do a wearable project. And you guys, probably a lot of the designers here are frustrated because someone's shown up in your studio and said, like a conversation I had where someone told me, Warren Buffett just invested $40 million, so we need to do a wearable. And it was a, actually it was a jewelry company. And I was like, how is that relevant to you? And what problem are you trying to solve? And let's start with that. Right. So... The outdoor industry, is this, is this even relevant? Is it a problem? Is it a solution? I think we have to think about wearables, not have we have thought about them before. It doesn't always have to be a biometric. I, I, I don't really need my pants to tell me, you know, how many calories I can... I don't look for that to do that. Or, I, you know, I don't want... I'm not looking for that kind of information, just not when I'm in the outdoors and doing things. I think we have to think of what what can wearables do to enhance that experience. What and there are things now with conductive inks that can go on. I think soft circuitry. So there's many other things. But if we keep thinking of it as a way of counting our steps. I mean, who can't count your steps? Get a pedometer. You know, it's so uh, we have to go beyond that. What can we do in the outdoor? What can outdoor people need? And the, the textile people, I think, now are pretty able to respond to that to take performance beyond. Um, the performance features we know now, and I think the outdoor industry really is looking for newness, and it is looking for the next kickstart, jumpstart to take it out of its sea of sameness in a lot of ways, and I think wearables would be. But I, I think designers need to not get stuck on the point that it has to be a biometric kind of thing, because maybe an outdoor community is not looking for that, but it maybe it's something built in, so if the T- temperature regulating in a different kind of way or some kind of 
other element that when you're moving, you want to know motion control. Or I met with a company that is making uh, sensors for gamers because they want to know how to move better. So I think that maybe with um, outdoors, again, the design community, or not, or you guys just say, you know, fuck it, let's move on to something else. But at some point, we have to make a decision, either you're in mm-hmm. or you're out, and mm-hmm. how you want to do it, because it is a big, fat market out there, mm-hmm. and it's for the taking mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, uh, I think um, you bring up a great point. I think uh, there's a lot of reactive data in the wearable world right now where they tell you what you've done. And I think the future of wearable, what I've been seeing is um, athletes and outdoor, you want preventive data. Um, you want something that's going to lead you to stay healthier so you can keep on doing whatever sport you're doing longer. So preventing injury and being preventive and proactive in that world is um, where I see it moving. Um, so super relevant for the outdoor um, I also cycle and I hike, and sometimes I wish I had stuff that would tell me that you're coming up on a big hill, you know, slow down, or you're going to get a strained calf, you know, something like this. So I see it moving towards the preventive and maybe a little bit over the medical stuff, Uh, then being reactionary and saying, yes, you just took 11,000 steps today, great job, or, you know, you just burned X calories. It's more on the preventive, uh, crossing over the health uh, style. One of the things I'd add to that is that you know when you look at how to get new people into the outdoors, mm-hmm. these are the things that they just they already have this in all the other worlds they live in, um, and if they can't bring that along with them and feel like they're still participating in things, but outside, um, you know that's not going to get them out there. But um, I think it's you know everything you just said. It's basically letting people know that they can go out there and do things and. Um, get better performance from it, not injure themselves doing it, and uh, feel safe when they're out there. I mean, I, uh, I have young teenage daughters. They've been fortunate to have uh, active uh, parents, but we take a lot of their younger kids, their friends out with us, and these kids, it's like you get them out there, and they don't have a lot of connectivity. They're, they're, they're lot. I mean, it's just not, they're not enjoying it, so anyway. Sorry, one more thing I would add on the apparel side is that uh, there is also a push for whatever equipment you put on, whether it's a jacket or a pair of tights or even shoes, to be lighter, smaller, and less invasive. Um, and I've seen also like the, the, the chip market. If you look at multiple companies that have been doing wearable, you, know, the, you mentioned Athos, that their chip is so big and it's right here. It's like who would want to... Where but now they're getting smaller, they're getting thinner, they're getting more flexible. So again, making that outdoor or athletic experience a little less invasive through fabrics, through maybe the adaptation of the craft, the way you put the apparel and the chips or the technology itself, everything's getting smaller. So it's a more comfortable experience for the the athlete. Yeah, I. I love everything you guys have all said and I, I, the only thing I would add is also um, even reframing what a wearable is potentially um, and, and this is my personal opinion but I'm also seeing it happen which um, a lot of wearables are battery based that has huge problems obviously it's, it's not optimal but for some things it's currently unavoidable but at the same time um, like the bacteria actuator on biologic at MIT. It's, it was an academic project, but it was so cool because in the future, for a blue sky project, it was extraordinary. And in the future, that, that's viable and that's extraordinary. And, um, you know, when I was thinking about the outdoor industry, uh, the ABS, you know, avalanche gear, that's pneumatic. And, and that's, a, that's wearable technology, Absolutely, like wearable technology fundamentally, as Michelle said, it's putting technology that adds functionality onto the body. Um, MIT had a breast pump hackathon because they felt that breast pumps had never been redesigned and they were atrocious. That's a wearable, honestly. So it's really addressing problems that are adjacent to the body, which is our whole industry, and seeing if some form of technology, whether it's a 
I don't want to use the word dumb, but like um, non-electronic textile because our textiles are extraordinarily technological, but that kind of textile or an electronic textile or whether it's a battery-based unit or it's a pneumatic, I mean, what a wearable is is basically the sky. We, it's just so much. So I really think it's more about framing it. What is the problem? What does your consumer need? And then um, and going from there. And one thing to add also was... Um, for me, thinking about the outdoor industry and some of the friction, I think, I think, is the politics of putting technology on the body, maybe. And, and um, you know, we go into the outdoors to get away from technology, and so I think that's one of the aversions, um, at least initial, my initial, like, I don't know if I would want that. Um, and so again, it comes back to what are, what are the belief systems of your consumers and what are the problems and um, you know what are the friction points and, and addressing how you solve them in a frictionless way. But you're not going to do step tracking. That's not going to be winning. But if you can help with avalanche survival that was a winning proposition, right? So it's, it's less about having technology be the story, what I said before, and more about having it be a solution. I wanted to just give a couple names of some products that have been mentioned um, as doing a good job. Um, Lumos is a pretty cool um, company. I think they're Boston-based, and I was attracted to them because I'm a slumper. So they have a product that you just clip on. It looks like a little piece of jewelry, and it just buzzes to make your sit up straight. It looks like nothing there, but that's a wearable thing that, for me, really solved a problem. I'm in front of a computer, and now they have a, a new fitness pant, I believe, a running, a running pant coming out um, that is beautiful and it's really, really nicely done. So I wanted to mention then Athos is another brand that's been around and has been doing some pretty cool things. Um, Ralph Lauren has a tech polo, which was introduced at the U.S. Open, I think, a year or two ago now, which again is beautiful design. It's a beautiful shirt and it, it does have, it, that's more sort of body metrics, but it was worn by the um, ball boys and girls at the U.S. Open and, and now has gained some traction expensive but beautiful design absolutely beautiful design and um, another company has been in on this you might be surprised is Victoria's Secret had a bra a while ago now I don't know if it was the best or the greatest or whatever but they were wise enough to go down that path and shouldn't really be dismissed for that even though I think there's much second generation coming but they did bring that into the intimate space uh, early on and were aware that that was a, a you know something that was going to gain traction I think there was one other company I wanted to mention. Oh, I think it's called Radiate, which is a shirt that will change colors depending on um, what you do and, and will sweat reactive and whatever. That has been a little bit around for a while. I don't know why I'm intrigued by that. I, I guess I like color, and so it's kind of cool. But there are different ways that you can build these in that, depending, again, on your company, that it doesn't always have to be just the same kind of thing. You can do it through different ways. But I, I do think that those are important um, you can you know, look them up. It might be interesting to you to see how different companies are taking this in new and interesting ways. Yeah, and to, to jump in on that, um, I think one of the behind us, like what has happened in the unknown ahead, fashion jumped in on wearables in a massive way. There were fashion partnerships. We were running around in Fashion Week at the same time, um, which was so strange, I think, for both of us. But... Uh, you know, fashion is suffering and panicking for their own reasons that um, are adjacent to the outdoor industry. And so they saw wearables as the savior, which um, there's massive R&D, there's massive cost, the, you know, usability is challenging. And so the long, long runway didn't really pan out for them. Um, and, and so I think that has, that wave seems to have is the feeling I've gotten from peers trying to get an assessment. And a lot of my peers, and by fashion I mean like, you know, Gap to Victoria's Secret to runway shows, but um, a lot of my peers who are working in that sphere because of the great design challenges have now moved to the health sector. Um, 
because that just seems to be a really great innovation space. It's really funded. It's really extraordinary. There's massive need, obviously. Um, yeah, so one of the wearables that I'm really excited about is a 3D-printed scoliosis brace. Um, another one is... Uh, I can't think what the construction is, but it's an Internet of Things. It's a, it's a connected... Um, back brace for the industrial athletes, so it's manufacturers, it's workers, um, so that you can predict and prevent injury on the on the job. Um, Pauline Van Dongen um, has a solar jacket, uh, which I have never seen in person, so I don't know if it's academic or production, but I really love it. So I, I think, but I do think there's some pivot happening that I haven't quite, quite gotten a grip on of fashion theory into this health I'm, I'm just going to throw I'll throw them all down on the ground um, yeah that's just I th- is that, that's my mic drop right there um, how are we doing for time by the way why don't we jump into the Q&A before I drop everything have you guys um, seen the Levi's jacket where you can kind of swipe on the yeah. so that's Project Jack card? Yeah, I actually have never put one on, but I've seen them. You probably have. You probably. I, I have heard about it. I saw pictures of it, but I cannot speak anything about it because I haven't tried it. Is it your fabric? I can't answer that, but uh, anyway, no, I'm familiar, I'm familiar with it. Uh, no, no, it's not. A, no, we we've known different things about it, but it's not us and. Uh, I do know that they're getting closer to releasing it. I think that it's you know it's it's has quite a few it's, has quite a few promises attached to it. And I think that it's the classic um, you know probably like the app maybe and having it deliver everything optimally that they wanted to do. So, so I, I know some people who worked on it, and the impression I got um, more from from the design side versus what the product was, was the goal was to try, and I did see a video of this from some MIT folks, but was to try to mass produce conductive textiles at scale. So obviously, we, I think we've alluded to some of these challenges and, and manufacturing is, along with energy, is one of the larger, yeah, these are some of the larger challenges. And so, I think they were trying to take it from an academic, like almost hand weaving or hand printing, to making a. I don't know how large the volume was. I think it was like the smallest minimum you could do in a production run, um, but to try to troubleshoot what that would be, and I, I think that was the large innovation aim. Was the impression I got. Um, which, which, as a designer, is kind of funny and frustrating because that's not the important story, which is exactly... That's, that's what I believe, but then you're like, oh, that won't even get told. But that's... No, you don't care if you're wearing it, right? Um, so a comment and a question. I, the, the mental model I use for a lot of the wearables is three things, right? Sensing, uh, computing, and then actuating. And if you look at things like... Fitbit, you know, most of what they've done is just the sensing and reporting. They haven't actually done much intelligent with it. And it seems while these things have been a failure is because they don't actually solve the problem for people. Like, more than half of them end up in a drawer after three months. There's actually research that shows that people who use them exercise less, so they actually fail at their primary design goal. So I'm curious about how much, as these products are being built, people are actually looking at I don't know what you call it, the behavioral design or understanding psychology, less about the textile, less about the electronics or the software, and actually the design of how you, you know, nudge people to get the outcomes you want. And I, I think that for you would be especially important when it comes to health. How much time do we have? <laughs> um, well, so the first thing is the nudge, or you end with the nudge. So the nudge is... One of the reasons people stop wearing things, at least I do, but research shows, because no one wants to be like, I tried a new app recently. I was like, well, you forgot to do your photograph. You forgot to do this. You forgot to do that. I'm like, well, I already am sucking at four things, so I'm, we're done. Like, we're just done enough. And then I'm, like, uninstalling you because now I feel really bad. And then it reminded me that I'd failed five days in a row, so it's over. Um, so there's... The nudge theory is like that. That was hopefully we were figuring out something better. Um, 
And yeah, there, there's so much there, but I think the problem, to be reductive, was in the past there were electronics looking for problems to solve, and now people are trying to solve problems. And if electronics could be the mechanism, so be it. And if they aren't, then something else might be. And then, and that I think with anything, that's how you should go about it. Um, and people are definitely looking at at human behavior, psychology, and all of that. Especially as a lot of wearables move into healthcare, because you also add in liability. Um, and and also with healthcare, you want <laughs> you want a need outcomes because that's your business goal. Um, but it, it's extraordinarily complex and I think it's going to be a really long process truthfully um, but I, I think there is great potential there. that's why I'm working on a project that I think five to ten years when we add an AI and really get into personal data and big medical studies it could have huge impacts but it's, it's definitely really challenging I think we have time really for one more question so who wants to be the last one um, <clears throat> my question is, uh, I've had, I just put on a conference myself about uh, technology and VR, AR, all these different things, and um, one of the conversation pieces that don't, doesn't seem to come up very often is the negative aspect of all this. I think we really want to connect to something that's emerging, and it's kind of this responsibility we have as creatives to say, how do we jump into this? But then quantitatively, how do you also balance that with maybe it's not so good 10 years from now that we, we've had this conversation today and we've been so motivated to, to do these different things. You know, maybe we're going to be doing more harm than help because there's nothing in place right now to truly measure the consequences of that. And I'm talking about in technology in general. I mean, we, we, we download, download apps every 30 seconds of every day. I mean, we're, but we don't think about why we're doing these things. So I'm just curious to know, like, and this might be a totally, you know, conversation for another time, but any thoughts on that? Not really. No. <laughs> I don't, um, <laughs> I don't think that's on the textile people's radar, actually. I mean, from my, from my, my perspective, I don't think that, the, I really think that they're more looking at this as, um, what they do now, how to enhance what they're making in a new way. It's bringing some kind of new... I think that what they're doing is sort of an uh, apparel or gear-first attitude. This is We're all going to put a shirt on, or we're all going to put a pair of pants on, or we're all going to put that on. So I don't think that they see that. That's what they want to do. So if we're putting that on every day... Um, how will wearables maybe get you in another, uh, expand your market, add dollars, whatever. It may not be for everyone, but it's another category to be in, like you might even say sustainable. You might have a line that's sustainable. You might have a wearable line. You might whatever. I think that's where the textile people are looking for growth in that. It could just be one part of their portfolio rather than putting all their money in that. I think that they... um, they're coming at it from a different direction um, than maybe some of the ways that wearables have been uh, the mindset behind them previously. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, I think if if you start uh, a project or in a new venture with what problem am I solving? The problem is worth solving. It means it's worth solving. So it's it it's it won't come in as a negative um, input. And also the preventive side of wearable now versus the app downloading and what have I done and all this that's maybe more on the, I don't want to say gimmicky, but it's, okay, good, what am I going to do with it? I just ran three miles today. Um, I think the preventive side of wearable technology, the crossover for better life, better health, I think this is what is being looked at. I just want to throw one more thing in. When I first started um, writing about wearables was a long time ago, the military was actually at the forefront. One of the coolest things that they were doing was sort of um, wound um, healing right in there. So if a soldier or a warfighter was hurt in the field, their garment would actually start even 
doing something to uh, heal a wound or uh, disinfect and do whatever, which is a whole area that I think is pretty amazing. I think the military has not gone, or maybe we don't know, how far along in those lines, but, or the budgets haven't been there. But that kind of thing, I think, does have real value. So maybe it is going to be a health-oriented um, space, but um, that did seem to me was really solving a problem. I actually worked on a um, chem bio suit, I, I judged, and, and there's a huge connected soldier, massive connected soldier uh, initiative, and also I worked on a compressive um, hemorrhagic project to pre- help with preventable deaths in the military. So there are um, huge value opportunities in that. And I would, I would say in closing, because I know we have to end, I worry about that all the time, actually. Um, and I have a pretty constant anxiety about how much technology we're putting out there and how constantly... Like how that often doesn't make us present. Are we solving it with the right, you know, solution set? Um, it, the the risk benefits. But when I was a student, one of my professors always said that if you're the person who is uh, who's worrying about the the risk benefit and analysis, and I think it was in an environmental context, but he was saying you should be the one doing it versus someone who's not thinking about the concerns because someone's going to go do it arbitrarily and so if you're going to go and be thoughtful and concerned and address it intentionally then you should go into that space and address it intentionally thank you so much this was awesome thank you guys thank you.